Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? That in Vice President Harris, he has a real teammate uh, and uh, a significant leader who uh, understands the foreign policy direction that he's trying to take this country and our leadership on the world stage. To see the moment in time in which we exist and are present. And is candid, forthright, educated, smart. To understand where we exist in the history. Uh, And willing uh, to tell him exactly what she thinks. Right, the significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do. And there is such great significance to the passage of time. What is this woman smoking? That was my skull. I'm so wasted. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. You've just signed up for the WBR Army. Welcome aboard. This is the Wendy Bell Radio Program. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> that was fantastic. Kamala, the passage of time. There's his talent. Oh my goodness. Gravy out of the park home run. This is a great time for us to talk. You know, we don't have a lot of interviews on this program. I'm really not that interested in what most people think. <laughs> I was interested in Gary Varvel. I am interested in John Guandolo. He's a Marine, a former federal agent, FBI agent, and he talks to us as a national security expert every Friday. And I have to ask you, John, what is going on at the Iowa, was it the Capitol where they put up some weird statue? What's going on? Yeah, so in uh, in Iowa, um, the state allowed a Satanist temple to put up a uh, well a statue uh, that they worship, uh, Satanist figure. Uh, some some people have seen similar statues like this uh, in the state capitol, uh, uh, which is amazing to me. And a uh, a vet, a Navy pilot, who is a Christian, uh, pulled it down and uh, dismembered it. Uh, and it's a it's a statue. And his and he had made his petitions prior to this to the state capitol, saying it's unconstitutional because the constitute our our law and government is founded on. Uh, per the law at the time, per the founding principles, the law of nature and the law of nature's God, uh, not on Satan. And it's not a, an expression, a free expression of religion, because it is the government uh, pr- promoting Satanism. And he decapitated uh, it, John. Yeah, he did. Damn right. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the, the question is, and I've already gotten this question, is, is, was this a, a good action, a right action? And I'll leave it to your listeners and your viewers to determine what they what Get the they crap think. out of here. Get it out of here. Yeah, I agree. And the, the only thing that I think I'm shocked at is why there wasn't an uproar in Iowa. And this is 
to the point that you and I touched on last week or uh, uh, in the last couple weeks is that um, so long as citizens complain about this, what's going on in the country, but don't do anything, then our adversaries, the adversaries of liberty, the enemies Mm -hmm. of God, will continue to do whatever they want. And the fact that you have an, an, an Iowa legislature that thinks this is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some of the legislators, they whined about it, but they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. And you're, um, think, of, think about Iowa. This is the Iowa caucuses. The, the, the 75% of the caucus goers are considered evangelicals. This should be a firm, no hard stop, no, no line in the sand. Get it out. And it, it continued this way because we don't make waves, John. We don't protest. We don't picket. We don't flood with phone calls. Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah, that's it. I think, you know, it, so long as we just, and when I say we, citizens, like I think you are doing something. You're helping educate the community. You're helping give in the give, give in the community tools and pointing them in directions and educating them. That's something very productive but if people sit at home and just complain and scream at the tv that's not going to save the country communities at the local level have to get organized against uh the the evil that is every day becoming more apparent right in our faces i agree with you 100 percent. you also have something regarding parents family a family situation about a, a child in the family who wanted to convert to a different religion. you got to give everybody the details on this. This blows my mind. Yeah, so this is uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, what some people have called the bu- buckle of the Bible belt. Right. Um, and uh, a Muslim family uh, found out that their youngest son uh converted to Christianity, so they did what, you know, any good uh, Sharia-adherent Muslim family would do, and they began beating him and cutting him. And uh, the police showed up and arrested, and it wasn't just the two parents, it was the older brother as well. So the the boy who converted is a juvenile. Uh, all three, the mother, father, and the older brother, were taken into custody. But even the police reports uh, acknowledge that uh, they did this because he converted. Uh, they said it while they were attacking him, that you're a Muslim and you can't convert to Christianity. And here's, here's the point I want to make. This is exactly, exactly Islamic law. And Islamic law specifically states that it is a capital crime for anyone to leave Islam. Uh, Islamic law expressly gives parents the, the right to exterminate their child for any reason that they see fit. And this is something I think people, like, they, uh, it's hard for non, the, the non-Muslim community to really grasp. It's barbaric. This is, it's important. So on, on two levels, this is really important. Number one, that um, if you leave Islam, that's apostasy, and that is uh, punishable by death. But a parent in Islam can kill their child for any reason um, they see fit. And I want to read directly out of Islamic law. This is the Umdad al-Salik, Reliance of the Traveler, published in Beltsville, Maryland, 
which is the most widely used book of Islamic law in Muslim homes in North America. And in Book O one point two, it says the following are not subject to retaliation. And Paragraph 4 says a father or mother or their fathers or mothers for killing their offspring or offspring's offsprings. And there's no caveat to it. A parent in a Muslim parent can kill their child for whatever reason they deem fit. Now, in Islamic law, there's, they give them pretty wide uh, discretion. So if they think they've uh, dishonored the family, you know, uh, Muslims will tell you there's no such thing as honor crime in Islam. You won't find that in the Quran. Well, that's garbage because the mother and father can kill their child. And this, this brings up, this is what normative and universally taught Islam is. And we, when we look at the, the global lies, as I like to call them, that Islam uh, has told our leaders and has literally, I would say, pulled the wool over uh, many people's eyes, you realize this is, the Muslim community knows this and understands it. It's not, this is not complicated. And this has been going on, by the way, for over 30 years in the United States. And these are the kinds of things uh, I've been talking about and teaching for 20 years. I wonder if you would, if you would open the door. Now we have two minutes before the break. So I know and I hear a lot of people worried about the safety of public venues, whether they be at a Steeler game or they're doing something um, out publicly, worried about the sleeper cells, about possible terror attacks. Do you believe something is, is, I think it's always possible, but are our fears grounded? Uh, I think in today's age, in general, they're grounded, specifically now, during this Christmas season, um, yes. At the, if we look at the national level, uh, all, and, and this is interesting to me, that even, even the FBI, uh, the DNI, uh, Director of National Intelligence Office, uh, have been putting out warnings of late about Hamas attacks uh, relative to the war uh, between Israel and, and Hamas, which is really a war between Israel and the jihadis. So the short answer that we can fill in after the break is um, we're seeing all, all over the world, not just in Europe, attacks, individual acts of jihad that will blossom into larger attacks. And I have some specific things for people to think about uh whether it's uh, at their church or in the community, when we come back from the break. Yeah, I think that's what I want to do. I want to go there with you all at home. What, are there things we should look for? I don't want to be paranoid. I want to be prepared. I want to be safe. Our national security expert, John Guandolo, continues with his expert military and DOD knowledge after this. It's an important conversation, ladies and gentlemen. How do we stay vigilant? How do we protect our families without being complete wackos and being nervous about some imminent threat? But we should be aware of obvious signs. John Guandolo, our national security expert, is back with that. And I think it's 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 reasonable to talk about this, John. I'm not being a weird, overprotective mom, am I? No, you're not. And I think uh, 
there's some basic life lessons here, and that's uh, uh, number one: be prepared, have a plan. You know, uh, a common thing uh, we say in the Marine Corps is pray, pray for the best, prepare for the worst. And um, I think whether you're a mom walking out of a store into a parking lot with one or two children, or you're, you know, going to church during Christmas with a heightened sense of security, or you're taking out money at your ATM at 10 o'clock at night. Mm. Um, If you have zero security awareness, uh, bad guys identify this, and they'll They'll target you. That's just the way it goes. And this is not complicated stuff. Anybody who's had any, you know, read anything about uh, basic security, you know, you don't walk to your car in the parking lot with your head down looking at your iPhone and your keys in your pocket. You know, you, you're you ready. You do a, you do a scan. Uh, you know, you pull into a gas station uh, on a road trip, and it's, you know, 1030 at night. You don't just pop out and start pumping gas. You take a second. As you're pulling in, you're scanning the whole area. Just taking a look. It's not paranoid. It's just wise procedures. And then when you pull up to the pump, you take a second, you know, with your doors locked. Especially if you're like a woman alone, I would say. But um, you're looking around. You're look checking your mirrors. Okay, things seem clear. I'm going to get out. And when you get out, you relock your doors. People don't get in on the blind side. You know, things like this that become procedures. You know, when my children were smaller, they knew. We had we had words that I would use, three words, and each one meant a different thing. Like if somebody walked in to do us harm, one of those three words was going to be said, and we practiced it. And it wasn't to make them scared. And I didn't do it, like, you know, to freak them out. We just practiced it like a normal thing. So when you walk into a restaurant or you walk into somewhere, uh, you know you know where the exits are. You have a good sense of it. And it's the same with this discussion we're having now. Uh, you should know what some of those signs are. And so it, it, it means if the first time somebody approaches you while you're unlocking your car and you've never thought about it before, you're unprepared. But if you've thought, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to prepare myself. And whether... That's with, you know, you're going to scream and run away. That's one option. Whether you're going to pull out mace and shoot him in the face with uh, some pepper spray, or you're going to draw a weapon on him. What, I mean, whatever your plan is, there needs to be a plan. And it needs to be practiced and thought about. And so when we talk about whether I'm in a store or I'm in church, and Christian churches are definitely a target. Um, it, you know, most churches I know, they don't have a security plan. Uh, they don't have a thoughtful idea of what they're going to do, and so they're just sitting ducks. Well, John, if I can interrupt you beyond that, our church is open 24-7. Like, you can go right. in and pray at any time. Anybody right. could and go that- in there and set up anything at any time. Right. And so the question is, and that's good, I think, because, you know, as I've talked to uh, some people at different churches about security, you know, the church needs to be a welcoming place. You know, they can't be fortresses um, (laughs) so that we get in. The whole purpose of the church is to be warm and welcoming. So how do you do that but still be 
security-minded. And so I think there are ways to do that. And, the, I, I mean, there are a lot of—and I'll give you an example. So let's say during a, ma- during a, a church service or a Catholic Mass, you know, you have people that are ushers that are kind of manning the door, the entryways. And so they're opening the doors, they're being very welcoming— but meanwhile, you've got a few people with their eyes on the parking lot, and they're just looking, and they've been trained to know what to look for, and they're looking for things that don't fit, people that they don't recognize, uh, and they're watching their body language, their facial expression. You can train people. Here, you know, here are a list of a dozen things you want to be looking for. You know, people that are out of place, and I'll just say this, this is a, a little bit of a tangent, but if you look at... Every video that I've looked at of attempted assassinations or assassinations where the person is in relatively close proximity, they stand out like a sore thumb when you're looking at the video afterwards. And security people missed it. Like, they do not belong. Their facial expression, their body, their language, their body language. And so simple things like that, but you, it begins with actually having your head up and your eyes open. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's not fear. It's just you know, awareness, awareness, awareness. Yes. And and you don't have to carry a firearm in order to stay safe. You just have to be vigilant. Um, John, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how do they follow you? Because I know I get a lot of people. I've got mail about you this week. Go ahead. Um, John Guandolo.com G U A N D O L O.com. And if you, I do consult with, churches and and businesses and stuff for security so people have questions i'll certainly uh do that that's important i think it's a great topic yeah i really do believe yeah awareness not fear 100 percent. amen i love it john guandolo thank you sir godspeed have a safe weekend when we come back my friends do not go anywhere first of all good news and bad jokes good news is great but democrats certainly (laughs) are sounding like the real authoritarians out there We're going to take you to Chicago. We're going to take you to Boston. You decide what you hear next. Welcome back, my friends. You are dialed into the Wendy Bell Radio program. You know what? It's become even more obnoxious and more desperate. Trump, the tyrant. He's going to shoot and kill people. He's going to round up people, put them in concentration camps, ship them away. He's going to come after you. It's so dumb. Because, you know, that was totally his M.O. (laughs) When he was president the first time, when he comes back, he's going to be like just the same. It's so dumb. But what is frustrating is the actual authoritarian, the actual totalitarian, the actual tyranny is obviously coming from the hands of Democrats. It's obvious. I see it. I know you see it. And we've got two examples of it that I want to get to you before we talk about good news, which is lovely. It will reaffirm your faith in the human spirit. Here's the headline. This is Gateway Pundit. No democracy for you. Chicago City Council will not allow voters to decide whether to keep the sanctuary city policy. What do we know about about Chicago? Well, big businesses have moved the hell out. It's not safe for our team members who are coming to work in downtown Chicago. They're getting carjacked. 
Some have gotten shivved, stabbed on the street. It's not safe. I don't want to walk around, poo. Or somebody's drug needle or somebody who's dead or homeless on the street. Beyond that, now it is a home to 20,000 people who don't belong here. Migrants who've been bussed up from Texas. Governor Abbott spreading the wealth. Go to Chicago. They were all excited to have you. They were beating their chest to be a sanctuary city. Well, now that the shizzle has gone sideways and people are like, you want us to pay $255 million for what again? Nothing that benefits we, the people of, of Chicago, but instead to house these migrants, not a chance. Well, thank goodness the city council has decided to rule and basically silence everybody else's vote. City Council has decided that the people of Chicago will not be allowed to vote on whether or not the city retains its sanctuary city policy. Hell no! Democrats have spent the last several years claiming to be the defenders of democracy. But when it comes to important issues facing the people who live there, these Democrats are telling voters to pound sand. We don't care what you think. Go away. We've got this one. We know better. So consistent with everything we've talked about today. They don't want people to vote on this for one obvious reason. The people will say that they don't want the policy. I mean, basic, right? This is from NBC News. Fantastic. Chicago City Council has voted against a measure that would have asked voters next year if they believe the city should maintain its statutory status as a sanctuary city or as a welcoming city amid an ongoing migrant crisis. This council voted 31 to 16 against the measure. You're not allowed to you're not allowed to weigh in on this during a special meeting Thursday following weeks of heated debates. The topic has led to intense exchanges, chaos and protests on the chamber floor and accusations of misconduct. In recent weeks, several members of the city council had called for a referendum to be placed on the March ballot to determine whether Chicago should stay sanctuary. And the city council there said, you don't have a vote. You don't have a voice. You don't have a vote. Who are the tyrants, ladies and gentlemen? Is it Donald Trump and the people who support him? Or does it seem to be Democrats, progressive, communist, socialist, Marxists, who believe that in the United States of America whose founding fathers would disagree completely with this. They're saying, eh, whatever. Good luck with that. We're scratching our heads. Why is this weird U-Haul exodus out of Illinois? Can't figure it out. Huh. How about this story? You gotta love Michelle Wu, the Boston mayor of suck. Oh, like Claudine Gay, who's woman and black. Here you have a, a woman of color. I guess Asian is considered woman of color. And she's, you know, a woman. Oh, our first. Is she good or not? Well, apparently not. Inclusive Boston mayor Michelle Wu steps in it in defense of the electeds of color holiday party. Quick backstory. They're going to have some shindig. All these goofballs in government. Let's have a little get-together. Festivus for the rest of us, right? We'll, we'll invite only the coloreds. What? Only those of us electeds of color. The same difference. Except somebody. Oops, it was a coding error. It was a programming glitch. Everybody got the email. 
Even the white people. Well, you really weren't supposed to be invited. You'll come to a different party. This is just about us, not you. We get to have this. Well, when everybody found out about this, they were like, well, why are you having a racist party? And she said, no, no, we called all the white people and they understand what we're doing. It's all good. Listen, here's Michelle Wu, mayor of Boston. I think we've we've had individual conversations with everyone so people understand mm. that it was truly just a an honest mistake that went out in in typing the email field and mm. um, I look forward to celebrating with everyone at the holiday parties that we will have besides this one as well so um, it is my intention that we can again um, be a city that lives our values and create space for oh, all God. kinds of communities shut to up together. Lives our values and creates safe places. Take your coddling garbage and stick it, sister. She completely doubles down on it. She's like, well, no, they understood. It was just this misun. It was this unfortunate mishap. She's not going to tell you that the purpose wasn't to separate by race. Can you imagine if if I had a holiday party and I only invited white people? All you other people who work with me or for me, and we're all intermingled, you're not invited. This one. We'll do one later, and maybe you'll be invited then. You understand, right? This was just a mis- it was just a misunderstanding. It was unfortunate. No, what you're doing, Mayor Wu, is selective. It is exclusive, and it is racist. But because you're creating safe spaces for people and you're living your values, it's all okay. Reason 7042, why they suck. You know what we need. I need some good news, baby. Cause like the world's going crazy. Give me some good news, baby. Give it to me. Give it to me. So I want to thank the young lady. I believe her name is Jeannie. It's either Jean, J-E-A-N-N-E. It's either Jeannie or Jean. She sent this to me earlier this week. And it is beautiful. So... I know it's going to be weird. I'm not having Steve Hartman's story on from CBS. Instead, this is something that David Begnog, I think that's how you, Bergnog, Bergnog, Begnog, whatever it is, I think he's very talented. And he does this beautiful feel-good story about a young man who, because he didn't grow up with a family of his own, as a grown-up, has opened his doors to create one for others. I think you're going to really love it. Enjoy. You want to know about a remarkable human being? He's right here. Robert Carter of Cincinnati, Ohio. So Robert was a teenager when he went into foster care, separated from his nine siblings. He said the most depressing thing about being in foster care was at the age of 16, he was living on his own in an apartment. And every day when he would come home, there was never anyone there to welcome him. When he graduated high school, and a lot of foster kids don't, no one showed up at his graduation. He aged out of foster care at 18 because no one ever adopted him. So Robert gets out of foster care, takes custody of two of his siblings. They turn 18 and go out on their own. And then Robert, in his late 20s, becomes a foster father to three boys. That's them. One day he comes down the stairs and he hears the oldest boy talking about their sisters. And he's like, wait a minute, y'all have sisters? And they're like, yeah, we were separated just like Robert was separated. So Robert calls the adoption agency and according to Robert, he gets told, well, we didn't tell you about the sisters cause you know, you're young and you're a single dad and we didn't know if you'd be able to handle all of it. So Robert goes to court. 
And he asked the judge to bring the girls into the home so the three boys and the two girls could all be together under one roof. The judge said yes. And then Robert went back to court. It was several months later. He got them all dressed up in black and red. The judge remembers it well. And the judge asked him, you're a single man. You made it out of foster care. Life's about being selfish at times. Why do you want to do this on your own? He answered all her questions, and under her court order, she declared them a family. The judge told me, David, I realized he was the real deal. And so the Carter family of six lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. Robert owns a hair salon. He does wigs for cancer patients and women with alopecia. He's struggling to make it, but he's doing the best he can. Everybody pitches in. The kids are happy. You see the photos, and it tells a story. I said to him, Robert, with no great parental examples, how did you learn how to be a good dad? And he said, from not having one and giving them everything I wanted. Robert Carter, single dad to five kids. He went from foster care to fatherhood and is a remarkable human being I just wanted you to know about. One more thing. And guess what? That joy has spread. We wanted Judge Stargill to see the family she allowed to be together almost three years ago today. We are reaffirming the adoption of the Carter kids. Yay! <laughs> I just, ah, that was so special. So special and so important. There is so much good out there. And I know that this job that I have and that you tune in for focuses on the crazy and the inexplicable and the the wrong and the dark. But I believe, as we heard from Gary Varvel and from John Guandolo today, I believe in that goodness. That goodness is there. Do not go anywhere. You're terrible jokes. It's Bad Joke Friday next. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a busy week. We've had so much going on, but it is our favorite way to send you off, hopefully with a stupid smile on your face, because you know what now is. Ladies and gentlemen, I just flew in from New York, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to the Comedy Club. Won't you give it up to Wendy and Brock for Bad Joke Friday. All right, so here are the rules. If you're new to the show, we get your jokes every week. You submit them to us, and uh, we're not allowed to read them in advance, which is dangerous in many ways. The risk is entirely ours, but it's also our disclaimer that if something bad happens, it's, it's not our fault. Are you ready? Here we go. This is from Dr. Richard Rafferty, always gives us the first joke of the day. A man lays some flowers down at the grave of his departed mother. He says a prayer. And he starts heading back towards his car. When his attention is diverted to another man kneeling at a grave. And the man's praying is profoundly intense. He keeps yelling, why? Why? Why did you have to die? Why did you have to die? The first man approaches him and says, excuse me, I, I, I don't mean to interfere in your private grief. But this demonstration of pain is more than I've ever seen before. For whom do you mourn so deeply? A child, perhaps a parent? The mourner takes a moment to collect himself. And then he says, my wife's first husband. 
I love oh, that. Oh, boy. A young boy asked his father, hey, Dad, did trees poop? Oh. Father answered, yes, my son. How do you think we get number two pencils? That's awesome. That's a great one. My wife told me to put ketchup on the shopping list, and now I can't read anything. <laughs> I told you. Someone told me that there's a booger in my nose. It's not. That delivery was fantastic. <laughs> what kind of a key has two feet but can't open a lock? Turkey. Oh I know. What I generation know. does Forrest Gump from? Hmm. Come from? Forrest Gump come from? Hmm. Gen A. Oh gosh. It's a shame <laughs> nothing is built in the USA anymore. I just bought a TV. It says built in antenna. I don't even know where that is. Oh jeez. <laughs> I asked my wife when her when her birthday is. She said March 1st. So I walked around the room and asked again. <laughs> so stupid. What's the difference between a man buying a lottery ticket and a man arguing with his wife? You're not going to win either one? The, the man buying the lottery ticket actually has a chance to win. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one coming. What is it about you people always making fun of us? I don't get it. <sighs> Well, there's a little truth to every joke. That's okay. What did the duck say when he bought some chapstick? Put it on my bill. I ran out of toilet paper, so I've been <laughs> using old newspapers. The times are rough. <laughs> That's because they're already full of it. Oh, my goodness. Yesterday, I couldn't figure out if someone was waving to me or the person behind me. In other news, I lost my lifeguard job. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Have you ever done that, though, when somebody waves and you wave back and then you realize it wasn't you and you're like, yeah, I didn't know who you were anyway. It's no different than when someone's talking on the phone and they have like an earbud and you're like, excuse me? They're like, I'm on the phone. You're like, you're also in public. Yes, I hate that. You know you're over 50 when you have upstairs ibuprofen and downstairs. Ibuprofen. <laughs> you don't have to be over 50 I for that. I have that. I have so that. So do I. Yeah, oh, good. <clears throat> I was you once a male trapped in a woman's body, but... Then my mother gave birth. There you go. You hear about the guy who evaporated? Oh. oh yeah, he'll be missed. If only vegetables <laughs> smelled as good as bacon. That's all. That's, that's all it is. That's th it. That's just cold that's hard That's just a fact. fact. My dog ate a string of Christmas lights. The vet was able to remove them. He said my dog was delighted. Why is it that intelligent people are silenced so that stupid people won't be offended? See, there was no punctuation, so I thought it was just a continuing thought. Why is it that intelligent people are silenced so that stupid people won't be offended? There we go. Go ahead. <laughs> Do people that drive electric cars listen to ACDC or something more current? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Last night, the internet went down, so I spent the time with the family. Ugh. They seem like nice people. <laughs> Why isn't the government displaying a nativity scene this Christmas? Oh, why? They can't find three wise men. Oh, well, there you go. How about this? What did the egg yolk say to the lemon juice? Happy Hollandaise. Sorry. Oh, God. <clears throat> Do you realize if Hunter Biden is convicted, he could serve 17-year sentence? Mm. In other words, he could become the first Biden to complete a sentence. Wow. 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 A police officer called the station on his radio. I have an interesting case here. An old lady shot her husband for stepping on the floor. She just mopped. Have you arrested the woman? Well, not yet. The floor's still wet. 
<laughs> How much does Santa pay to park his sleigh? Ooh. And nothing. It's on the house. Oh, there you go. I can't find my Gone in 60 Seconds DVD. It was here a minute ago. <laughs> I took a job as head of Old McDonald's Farm. I'm the C-I-E-I-O. <laughs> At the job interview, they asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, I, I think we'll still be using mirrors in five years. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> How much space should you give a fungi? Oh, what? Huh? As mushroom as possible. What did the dad sheep say to his little lamb at the dinner table? Your mother and I are just worried your new collie friends are pushing you in a direction you might not want to go. I... Okay. What did the elephant ask? The, the... collies heard them. I know. Okay. <clears throat> it just wasn't funny. I know. What did the elephant ask the naked man? Huh? How do you breathe out of that thing? <laughs> What did the dad show? Oh, I already said that. A taco and a nacho chip were having a fight. The taco said, why don't you want a taco about it? The chip responded, because I'm nacho friend anymore. Oh, come on. Let us be friends again. The taco begged. I told you to before the chip replied, cheese my girlfriend. Yeah, that was really stupid. Why do wow, you think that's we a schmobby that joke. That was dumb. That's a schmobby joke. The day joke. is long and somebody is very happy that we just read that. Like morons. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We hope to be back with you. We will be back with you on Monday. We hope you join us. Peace.